and did you watch any of the all-star game itself i never watched the game at all because yeah who it, gives a flying fuck What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up, and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. Ironically enough, it's the Matt Berlin episode. How did that work out for us? I mean, you couldn't ask for it to work out any better. I was I was sitting on that for like a week and I was like, oh my god, 33 is actually next week. That's crazy. I mean, and I think we should probably add some honorable mentions to some former Oilers here. The longest tenured person being Marty McSorley. Oh, that's right. I was about to pull it up. I was like, I have a feeling there wasn't a lot of goaltenders in Edmonton. That, well, uh, we also had Cam Talbot. Oh, that's right. So, but unfortunately for them, Matt Berlin kind of took the spotlight in these past couple weeks for Edmonton, and he was the news story for the entire night when they played yeah. Chicago. Yeah, I, I mean, let's dive right into things. We're coming back uh, ready. It kind of feels like Christmas Eve because the, well, you'll be listening on Christmas essentially because the Oilers play tomorrow night. Uh, feels like the first game in like, well, it's been almost two weeks, right? Yeah, I think it's been about a week and a half because we just didn't bother recording last week just because there was only two episodes. And then, as Greg mentioned, there's been a huge gap because of the All-Star break. So, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots to dive into. So uh, we'll jump back a couple weeks in time and just quickly go through uh, the Oilers getting uh, their win streak snapped by Columbus in OT. Uh, kind of a no-show there, hey? Yeah, that was a little disappointing. I don't know if I'd go as far to say no-show, but I would say that they A, got goalied, and B, really took their foot off the gas in the third period and kind of didn't give themselves a chance to really win the game. Yeah, it it really doesn't help when Corpus Allo decides to be a Vesna winner uh, like in that game either. Well, like he's been playing like shit all season, so it was pretty disappointing to see him put on his A game just to play against Edmonton, but... I mean, yes, we lost the win streak, but we didn't lose the point streak, so that might be something important to carry forward. So we're on an eight-game point streak. That's true. Those things matter, man. Um, can can we just jump into the kind of the elephant in the room? Why are we booing Johnny Gaudreau? Like, we own him. I think it's people just want anything to do when they're in the crowd, to be honest. <laughs> They'll find anything to cheer about, anything to boo about, especially boo about. And that's why even if there's a good, fair call against Edmonton, if it's a penalty, they'll still say, fuck you, Ravs, because they just need to get their <laughs> two cents in. Yeah, maybe we just don't like sitting still because I know the way. Okay, we, we've gotten 33 episodes into this podcast and we've not even discussed this. What is your take on the wave? My take on the wave is the only time that it should be done is if the team is winning and winning by a decent margin. So I would say three goals or more would be what I would consider a decent margin. So if it's a one goal game, I don't want to see people doing the wave. 
If it's a two-goal game, maybe, but that's really pushing it. Three goals or more, sure, go for it. I don't care. Especially if it's right. on, like, a Saturday matinee game where there's lots of kids there. Like, especially go for it because kids love that shit. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I was going to take the hardo approach. Like, I can't stand it. Um, but I, I, I'm with you where there should be some, like, judgment that goes into it. It's It's like... I don't know. I <laughs> it always makes me think of like how the Red Sox will be down eight nothing and they'll still play Sweet Caroline in the middle of the inning for no like good reason. Like <laughs> I'm with you. There has to be some sort of like judgment call. But well, I remember I specifically there was a game. I think that we were losing like two two goals down or something like that, and people started doing the wave. I'm just like, what the fuck <laughs> is happening? And to be fair, when I'm at a game, I probably won't get too involved in the wave. Maybe I'll like join for one. And then after that, I'm like, okay, that's enough. But I don't know. Some people love it. And I say to each their own to a degree. But you could say that about anything that people do at a hockey game. It's like the fucking the glass bangers. I fucking hate people oh, who bang on the glass. That drives me, me insane. Yeah. yeah. Especially when it ruins like your TV like presentation too. Like there's nothing more annoying than that. Oh yeah, you're trying to like hear on the mics when there's something going on in the corner. All you hear is just like <laughs> so true, so true. I I don't know how we got off on that tangent, but uh, just crowd antics. Apparently, you can't sit still. But uh, the the only thing that I was gonna bring up from this this Columbus game is uh, Derek Ryan. Like low key, I'm glad I picked him kind of as the uh, the unsung uh, hero so far this season because like he put up his seventh there and he's just quietly having a really good year well considering how little he has played this season whether it's ice time or games in total because he's been healthy scratched or something like that i've been pretty impressed with the way that he's played especially being our uh, only right-handed center mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point that is a good point um yeah, just wanted to point that out. So uh, in this perfectly planned segue, we're going to move from one U of A hockey alum to a current member in Matt Berlin. Uh, he stole the show Saturday night, hey? Well, like, I I loved it. <laughs> Everybody loved it. Like, did he steal the show? Not really, but at the same time, <laughs> they gave him the opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, he gets he gets one save. He gets to get some time in. Um, the thing that I, I really liked that the Oilers did is covering the, the fact, like, I think McDavid, before he even answered the question was like, first off, like we meant no disrespect to the Blackhawks. I thought it was very classy the way they did it. Well, that's the real question that I'm curious about is like, if you're in that situation and you're the Oilers, do you mm -hmm. run it by the Blackhawks to ask if it's okay? <laughs> To be like, hey, Just like leaning over the bench. We know you're down four goals, and like we want to give this guy like the opportunity of a lifetime. Can we do this, or are you going to be fucking pissed? <laughs> you know how shitty you guys are losing right now. Are you okay if we put our like e bug in? Well, like I, I think it doesn't really matter because I don't really give a fuck what Chicago thinks. But at the same time, <laughs> if I was on the other side, it'd be like, for fuck's sakes. Like, yeah. really? Yeah. Especially that they only got one shot on goal on him and they didn't, like, do anything to beat him. I mean, if the guy never plays a game in the NHL again, like, he, he's he got a 100 save percentage. Like, how much better does it get than that? I mean, he can join the short list of goalies who have that. And God forbid. 
Edmonton's... Shirelli would have him to a contract at this point. Yeah, Edmonton's, uh, I guess, lucky to a degree, too, that they were able to do that because I was reading that there was, I can't remember, it was a few years ago, but I think it was Philadelphia. I, now I really can't remember. But they tried to do the same thing. They tried to let their e-bug go in and play the end of the game. But mm-hmm. the difference was that in that game, their starter got hurt and then their backup had to go in. So then they had to bring an e-bug down from the crowd during the game to sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at that point, you can't do that because they're not allowed to play three goalies in a game unless it's on an injury basis. Oh, I don't even know if I knew that rule. Yeah. So oh. essentially, unless the like backup goalie also gets hurt, then you can't play that other goalie in the game. Huh. That's that's new. Uh, I I wonder too, like what enhancements they made because I think after the whole David Ayers situation, I think they rejigged the whole like e bug rules and stuff. But I don't know. That's it, cool. it. It's a rarity to see, but I thought it was a very classy move. And I think the other thing that was really cool is to see all of the the like thoughts from people around the NHL that are like jumping on the Oilers bandwagon now just because it was such a solid move. I mean, it was really cool, and apparently, according to Woodcroft, it was McDavid's idea, too, of all people. So, yeah. like, that's even better to see that kind of thing out of, uh, like, the captain of the team who's, like, I want to give this guy the opportunity of a lifetime, and he goes to the coach who's like, hey, let's do it. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I was going to bring up this podcast. Like, this little stretch that the Oilers are on, uh, what are they, 7-0-1, 8-0-1? 8-0-1? uh do you think that's kind of like this all stem from the players meeting? Uh, do you think they just basically like now we're going? Well, I think they like during that meeting, I'm assuming it had a lot of swearing going on, a lot of yelling at each other, and then some accountability to be held for each other, especially like <laughs> on, I'll say like the defensive zone for everybody to be like, we got to get our fucking shit together. We can't just coast our way into the playoffs like we're barely in a playoff spot as we speak Mm -hmm. and i think it truly worked and the team is playing better than they have all year and i don't think they'll necessarily keep up this level of play for the entire season but i don't expect them to completely fall apart now because i think they've really found their bearings and then hopefully this break that we've had doesn't completely throw away all the momentum that we've gained over the past two weeks yeah, so the meeting, from my understanding, was on, like, the 10th or something after that L.A. game. And so far, the Oilers are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 0, oh, and 1. So not a bad little stretch you're on. Um, and uh, I think it's really made a turn for them, too, in, in some of the teams that they beat. Like, a lot of people are being like, oh, you beat up on the Ducks and you beat up on the Sharks. You also beat a really good Tampa team. You beat a really good Seattle team. Uh, and Vegas was no slouch either. Well, like, and it's funny because, like, yes, we beat those teams that aren't as good. But if it was the other way around, if we lost to every team like we lost to Columbus, everybody would be shitting all over Edmonton. So it's like mm-hmm. you beat them, you can't win. You lose to them, you can't win. So, like... What like why are you gonna listen to all these people bitching and complaining about that? Like these are the games we have to win. Yeah, exactly. I I and the other thing I was gonna point out just on this streak that we're on too. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before, and I know you have been harping on this. But out of all of those games, the Oilers have only given up a max of three goals in a game, including the game they lost. It's I'd love to see it honestly. 
Jack Campbell's really come into his own into these this later part of the season. He's found his game a little bit. I think he still has room for improvement as well, which isn't necessarily a bad mm. thing. And I think Skinner's settling back in after having his uh, having his child. So, yeah, I think it's just everyone's just playing better. And I have been yelling at my TV slightly less than usual. Yes. Yes, that's very true. Um, <laughs> speaking of Skinner, uh, again, he got... Uh, uh, Got to travel. I this is still considered his rookie season, right? Technically speaking, he is Calder eligible. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, being a rookie, going to your first ever All Star game, not a not a shabby way to start off your NHL career. But uh, he joins Leon Drysaitel and Connor McDavid for the All Star game. Um, Sean, honest question. This is a safe room. Nobody else is listening. How much of the All Star game did you watch? Or, or the uh, whole weekend. Literally, I tuned in for the start of the skills competition because I just so happened to be in the kitchen cooking. And yeah. turn on the TV, Mitch Marner skates out in his stupid all-white suit, takes the worst shot I've ever seen in my life on Roberto Luongo on a breakaway, and I turned off my TV. Oh, my God. Yeah. And did you watch any of the All-Star game itself? Uh, no, I didn't watch a single second of it. I did watch replays yeah. of like McDavid and the accuracy shooting and things like that, but I never watched the game at all because yeah, who it... gives a flying fuck? Yeah, I I was cleaning the house when uh, the skills comp was on and uh, I sat down to watch like McDavid stuff, but like in passing and looking like such a dog shit effort from everybody. Um, some of the events were so stupid, like, the the only thing that had like any kind of like creativity was that golf um thing they did but i mean when you combine that with the stupid surfboard shit in the dunk tank and the the breakaway goals like it, the whole skills comp can be summed up with Trevor Segrus's uh snooze emoji well like when they're not trying, is it really a skills competition? I think the word skills and competition <laughs> should be X'd out in that description. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the games itself, too, were just, like, again, complete waste of time. It was nice to see future Oiler Eric Carlson set up McDavid, so, that I mean, that was the highlight. Get to see that chemistry start to blossom early. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. So I, I put the thing up on Twitter. And I was trying to figure out, I was like, what would make the NHL All-Star Game, um, like, not miss television? And uh, <laughs> we had a guy responded with a hot dog eating contest. I, w I would fucking tune in for that. Dude, I would love to watch that. I could see some guys being absolute fucking monsters at that competition. Yeah. <laughs> And then our boy Brad, he uh, he said, just make it mean something like home ice in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, like we alluded to that in uh, the last podcast. Completely agree with that. Put something up for uh, um, something to make it worth something. Because like, uh, what the hell did Nick Suzuki win? Like Chipotle for a year? Well, that was the and... funniest shit ever. He's like, there's not <laughs> even a Chipotle in Montreal. Like, what the fuck? Uh, I don't know. It, it's just such a dud of a weekend. I feel bad for guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl who have to leave Turks and Caicos to go to those things. Well, I think they at least enjoy it to a, a degree, just for the yeah. fanfare and getting to hang out with other guys. Like, it was cool to watch um, 
think it was the beginning of the game. It was McDavid and like McKinnon were just sitting there like fucking talking to each other and going back and forth. And it's kind of cool to see the guys communicating to yeah. each other and actually being friendly with each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I love that stuff too. Uh, the one thing that I felt bad as I saw some of the clips and stuff over the weekend and uh, there's one in particular where uh, the three Oilers are walking down the tunnel and like McDavid and Dreisaitl are like half a step ahead of Stuart Skinner and like McDavid and Dreisaitl are just yucking it up between the two of them and Skinner's kind of like left out of the group like you're back in high school. <laughs> well, I think those two are a little bit tighter than anybody else who could have even went with them regardless of who it was. So, yeah. But, but uh, all in all, yeah. it's fucking boring. Like, I think there's <laughs> nothing you can really do to make it interesting that would actually be possible. The only thing I could think of is if they were like, here, players, here's a huge fucking prize pool. Winner gets all this money. And that's the only way that you could avoid it. And even then that just creates more issues with players getting injured and things like mm. that. And it's just, it's just not going to happen. And I don't think they're going to scrap yeah. it because for some reason I think it makes money. So they're going to keep doing it. Speaking of making money, I'm willing to bet all of mine that they're going to do something at like this, the Rogers center in Toronto next year. Like they're going to have some cheap gimmick in the baseball stadium. Well, it's going to be ridiculous. They're going to have like a home run derby or something like that for all the players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. But uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on uh, is we're recording this on Monday. Dylan Holloway still might be hung over. I saw a lot of uh, videos and stuff that were posted around of him doing a, quite a few shotguns and chugging beers and just l pretty much doing what I did when I was his age. Yeah, yeah, I keep forgetting the kids like what, 21? Like of course we that's what we did when we had vacations and time off. Yeah, there was a lot of pictures of him, McLeod and Bouchard. Well, apparently Jack Campbell was down there too, Tyson Berry. I don't know where they went, but there's a whole group of them that went. Well, I saw all those pictures of those guys like down there, but I always saw those three together, probably from their time playing on uh Bakersfield. Oh, good boy. Well, I guess yeah. Holloway didn't play on Bakersfield really, but still Holloway's just Mr. Hollywood, so everybody loves him, apparently. <laughs> Big glue guy. Big glue guy. Um, so I think the only thing to take out of this All-Star break heading forward is is where we're sitting. Uh, kind of the, the rumors, like you were mentioning before, like we kind of expected something to have gone down over the past week. Well, I did expect something to happen with Pugliarvi just because I think I did hear a few like whispers regarding that. Like specifically there was something about Frank Saravalli talking about them having to make room for Yamamoto coming back, which could include mm. them moving on from um, Pugliarvi, which is the most likely factor or the most likely outcome. Yeah. Um, and then that there was teams like uh, St. Louis and, the lightning and whoever the fuck is this hashtag? What the fuck does that mean? Time, time to hunt. hunt. Who is, is that, hashtag time is that, to hunt? Is oh, that the, the Panthers? It is the Panthers. What a terrible fucking <laughs> hashtag. Jesus. Maybe use their actual team name so they can get people in that fucking arena. Maybe. But <laughs> yeah, essentially there's rumors that Pugliarvi might be traded to one of those teams. Like you look at the blues and you wonder if maybe there might be something including uh, Ryan O'Reilly, like we had talked about last week, 
whether or not they could, that could work salary wise, I'm not sure. But um, with Florida, they, I've heard things about Anthony Duclair coming back, and then with the Lightning, who fucking knows? I don't even know what they have left on that team that they can trade because they've traded everything away. Yeah, uh, I was gonna gonna ask what do you do to make that one work, but uh, I I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully, something gets done here in the in the next little bit. Obviously, we have the Bo Horvat deal, which kind of shook the the waves i i had to take like a i don't even know who won that trade but it was it was very large i did not see anthony bavillier going back the other way i think one thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is that bavillier has had a bit of a struggle this season he hasn't been as good as he has been in the past so that's it's less of a big deal as it was previously like his career high in goals was 21 and that was five years ago. And then yeah. he had 15 goals in 47 games Point. a couple of years ago, but since then he hasn't really done much. Mm. And then Atu Ratti, I know he was highly touted a long time ago. I remember at one point he was um, listed as like the number one prospect in the 2021 draft, but then he just completely fell apart in his draft year and he ended up falling to the second round. And the Islanders got him. So he has a lot of upside if he can find his game. And then obviously there's a first round draft pick, but it's top 12 protected. So even I was gonna say. even if they're out of like the sweepstakes for Bedard, it's not going to matter. Vancouver's not going to get him because it's going to be protected. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, so well, I, would, and, and... I would say based off of that, especially with the fact that they extended him, I would say the Islanders probably won that trade. But with that being said, that extension is a little absurd, in my opinion. Yeah. Eight, was it eight years, $68 million? Yeah, eight like, years, $68 million, so eight and a half a season. And that's 100% real salary. It's eight and a half every single year for that entire contract. Yeah, that's that's a little steep for me. For Bo Horvat, that's a little I think steep. this season, Bo Horvat, I think he might be worth it. But outside of this season, he has not proven to be an eight and a half million player. When you look at guys like Nuge and guys like Hyman who are making just over five million compared to that contract, like Horvat should be making like maybe like six, six and a half at most. Yeah, I and I don't know about you, but I've always wondered like what goes into like players just signing their life away as soon as they get traded? Like, how do you know you're gonna want to stay there for eight years? Yeah, you look at like the Huberto contract, for example, or uh, the Kachuk contract when he signed in Florida. And like, to be fair, maybe signing in Florida is a little bit easier for a guy like Kachuk. But see Huberto <laughs> come to Calgary and sign an eight-year deal, and then you see how much he's been struggling there to do anything. So oh. it's really questionable yeah. why they decide to do that. But then again, if you're Bo Horvat and like, yeah, you have to live on like, like live in New York. That's pretty cool. Uh, you're getting paid eight and a half million dollars a year, which I still think both years and like actual money that is way above his his actual worth right now. So I would probably yep. jump at that contract, too, because he's guaranteed sixty eight million dollars now. Like you can't say no to that. Yep. Yep. I uh, don't blame him there. <laughs> uh, I guess on the, the topic of, of big trades, uh, some rumors starting to really float around this chicken and stuff. The the Oilers interest in this guy is very much like that couple speaking of high school that, you know, like breaks up every two weeks. Like they're talking, but they're not talking, but they're talking, but they're not talking. 
oh, it's never fucking ending. It's just like Chitrin, and then next week you hear, oh, there's not, like, it's not happening. They haven't even been talking. Then the next week they're like, <laughs> Oilers are the front runners for Jacob Trichin. Then the next week they're like, oh, but they probably can't afford it, so they're out. It's just never ending. I but, wonder if, like, Puliyarvi would be included in that package deal. Like, if, if they move Puliyarvi, because the timeline's running out for them to move him. And if he's going to be part of that package that goes for Chikrin, like, do they just eventually trade Puliyarvi and then just give up on Chikrin? Or I don't know. Like, are you saying that they trade Puliyarvi to somebody else? Do they just give up on the Chikrin trade at that point? If that was even yeah, in, like, in the first place? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would say, like, I, I wouldn't give up on it per se. Like, let's say, for example, they trade Puliyarvi to Florida for Anthony Duclair one for one. So that's pretty much a lateral move in terms of who's playing in the lineup. So... Mm-hmm. When you look at a Chitron trade, then you're looking at giving up high draft picks. You're looking at giving up big prospects like a Lavoie or a Savoy or like one of maybe like a Nima Linen or a Kessel Ring or something like that to replace Chitron being a defenseman over there. So it just goes away from being roster players to probably switching out for prospects and picks, but then you have to make the salary work. So then you're looking at like, are we going to get rid of Cody Cece? Are we going to get rid of who else has a bad contract? Fogel, maybe Derek Ryan. Like I know you were hyping him up, but like his contract's a little rich for my blood, but like those are really the players that I've been hearing would potentially be on the chopping block, but I don't know. It's, it makes it difficult. So, any trade that they make to fix their defense, I would like to see Pugliarvi involved because I don't think they have the salary assets to get rid of to bring in a defenseman otherwise. Yeah, that's... Yeah, can't argue that at all. Um, I, I don't know what they, they'll wind up doing. I, is it unrealistic to maybe throw the option of like flirting with a Yamamoto move? Well, if you're any team looking at Yamamoto, why would you trade for him? I know, I know, he can't stay in the lineup. Well, his like, injury history has been pretty bad the past couple of years. Um, like he hasn't done much of anything when he has been in the lineup this season. Like people shit on Pulyarvi all the time, but Yamamoto, when he's been healthy and playing, he's been pretty dog shit too. To be fair, so yeah. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't look at him. He, I don't think he has the upside that Pulyarvi does in terms of size. So at the end of the day, I think Edmonton would be okay with trading him away, but I think it would be difficult to get anything of value for him. Yeah. I just, I was curious if, if he would spark a little bit more trade uh, value than a pulley RV would, but I don't know. If he was healthy, I I would say yes, but if not, I don't think he will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I think that, tackles everything ahead for the the chicken stuff we'll we'll wait and see if anything comes to fruition here obviously we've got the trade de- deadline in a few weeks but um yeah L- let's talk mullets sean yes mullets for anyone who is not aware there was a fun little bet between uh holloway and mcdavid regarding a six game win streak which was achieved so now mcdavid is growing back the mullet for the rest of the season <laughs> I uh, I heard him get asked how long he's going to keep it for, and he said he's gotten a lot of mixed reviews, but as long as, as things are good at home, he said he's fine with it. So who knows how long he's going to be rocking this thing. 
I mean, I would hope that it's part of Edmonton's new winning attitude that they have. It's like, as long as the mullet remains, we're going to keep winning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I love it. I love when teams, like, have that, like, crazy thing, whether it's, like, the shaved heads or, you know, everyone grows beards or stuff. Uh, it's it's always cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little junior for have the whole team doing it, but I would love to see the whole team just, like, everybody grow mullets. Especially yeah. some of those older balding guys try to do it. Be like me with a mullet. It just wouldn't be a pretty sight. Yeah, Campbell's running out of time. He's got a. <laughs> he had way less time than I thought he had. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, while uh, while the NHL took a little bit break, uh, obviously the AH, AHL stuff still going on, eh? Yeah, and Bakersfield's been playing pretty well recently, um, and especially uh, Raphael Lavoie. He's been really heating up and starting to settle into Bakersfield, scoring 10 goals and 10 assists in his last 18 games. It's kind of nice to see, because like, he's the one guy of those like group of uh, youngsters like, coming up that I just, he never seemed to take off like I thought they were going, or thought they expected him to. But well, he's supposed to be um, just a pure sniper, right? And right. to be fair, down in Bakersfield this year, they don't have a lot going for them with losing Woodcroft and Manson has been pretty hard on the team. You lose Skinner, you lose DeHarnay now, you lost Nimalinen for the beginning of the season, you lost Holloway, you lost McLeod. Like they lost some of their yeah. best players and that kind of moves everybody up in the lineup and makes it a lot harder down there. But it does give guys like Lavoie a lot of opportunity to show what they can bring to the team. Yeah, that's a good point. I, it, it allows them to definitely get the ice time they weren't getting before. I'm with you there. Well, it also increases the trade value too. Not that I want to trade Lavoie, but it yeah, would help attract more teams with good defensemen that we might want to trade for. You look at Chitrin, you look at Gavrikov, any of those guys. Like maybe a team yeah. is more interested in trading with Edmonton if Raphael Lavoie is involved. Well, and that's the thing that I keep looking down the road. Like if we're looking two, three years down the road, how are you going to get guys like Savoy, um, Lavoie? Like how do you get them in the lineup to have a, a prominent role? Uh, with the roster that the Oilers currently have, like they're they're gen- like log jammed with McDavid, Drysaitel, Kane, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins. Like there's half the the forward group. Well, a lot of these guys that like you named are centers. So let's just look at the wingers, right? So we have Kane and Hyman, well, both on pretty long term contracts. They're not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, you have what? Let's just say Nuge. Long-term contract, you have Yamamoto, shorter term, but pretty settled into that top nine. You have Holloway, who's probably not going anywhere. You have Fogel, maybe might move on. That might open up a slot. Pugliarvi might open up a slot. So definitely, I wouldn't say that there's a top six slot available for any of these guys, but I wouldn't go as far to say that there's nothing in the top nine, at least. And that's not to yeah. say that these guys can't play defensively either and potentially play on the bottom uh, the bottom forward group. Yeah, I think that that's, that's more so what I was leaning to is like they'll have to change their game. Just like uh, like if you're looking at a, a Lavoie to jump in, like the, the sniping. Uh, I know he played wing in junior, but I think he's more of a, in, a, in a center role now. But uh, yeah, I, to fit in the top nine, I 
think they definitely have to change their game. He could play a more physical role, to be fair. He is six foot four. So you could look at like, but he's lanky. Well, yeah, you could look at the way like Pulyarvi has changed his game a little bit where he plays more physical. Like Pulyarvi leads the team in hits. So like, I'm not saying that Lavoie has that in his game, but maybe that's something that he could look to, to fit better into the lineup. Or you look at the way Tyler Benson had changed his game to try and get onto the actual team where he's focused more on killing penalties and playing physical and being more of an energy guy than being the Mm -hmm. offensive guy that he was in juniors. Yep. Agreed. Uh, Taking a look at the schedule. uh, This is something I want to uh, touch on because I don't know if you've looked at the next few weekends, but the Oilers are getting fucked up the ass with their schedule. Because there's, what, two 10-30 games this next coming weekend. There's another 10-30 game in two weeks after that. There's, I think, a 2 o'clock game. It's yeah, and horrific this Two month. weeks, we have a 1 p.m. game, three 10-30 games. Honestly, I'm oh, not really? against a 10-30 game. Really? Like, if I were to have a game, I'd rather it be at, like, 7 p.m. Or, especially on a weekend, super early in the morning. So then I can get the game, unless my plans are revolving around the game, you get the game, like, quote-unquote, out of the way and then spend the rest of your weekend doing something. Versus if it's at, like, 2 p.m., smack dab in the middle of the day. Yes. And you're like, okay, well, now I can't go anywhere because I want to watch the hockey game. And it's kind of fucking with my day. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I'd rather have a game at 10.30 in the morning than 2 o'clock in the afternoon, for sure. Well, I don't want it to be commonplace either. Like having two back-to-back 10:30 games is a little fucking ridiculous this weekend. Yeah. I, do you remember like growing up how special it was to have like three back-to-back games on Hockey Night in Canada on Hockey Day in Canada or whatever? It happened like once a year. Oh, it was pretty and cool where they'd have like 10:30 game, 2 p.m. game, 5 o'clock game, 8 p.m. game. Yeah, and now it's every weekend. Oh, that like I think they try too hard to squeeze everything in. Honestly, yeah. and it, it fucks us over because we get so many 8 p.m. games or 8.30 games that are just like staying up until the crack of dawn to watch those games. Like if you had to work mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning or something like that, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. But uh, speaking of uh, upcoming games, Detroit, Philly, Ottawa, Montreal, these are the teams you got to beat. <laughs> I mean, these. Duh. this is definitely a stretch of four games. Even five games because we play Detroit uh, as the fifth game in the series. These are all games that if we do not win, I will be disappointed. Yeah. Yes. I uh, I seem to remember it was last year when they came uh, out of that. Uh, I'm trying to think back. Wasn't Dave Tippett fired like right after the All-Star game? It was in and around now. I can't remember exactly when it was. Because something reminds me, because something reminds me that uh, we returned back from the All Star break to play two absolute dog shit hockey games, and I remember that feeling like the low point last year. So Dave Tippett was fired on February 11th last year. So the anniversary is in five days. I think potentially (laughs) what had happened is I think they might have came back and played like one game after the All Star game, and we lost, and then they fired him. Yeah, okay, because I, I just remember the Oilers bouncing back from the All-Star game last year extremely poorly. 
Yeah, I don't think it was great. Uh, Edmonton lost home games to Vegas and Chicago after the All-Star break, being outscored 8-1 to one in those two games. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they let so. Tippett go. <laughs> so we will see what happens with Detroit, Philly, Ottawa, Montreal. I mean, like I said, we got to win these games because the standings are really close right now. Like Edmonton sitting in the first wildcard spot with I got to zoom in. Jesus, I'm so blind. 60 points in their 50 games played. They're sitting two points back of Vegas with one game in hand. They're sitting three points back of LA with three games in hand and three points back of Seattle, who has a game in hand on Edmonton. And still six points behind first spot in the West, which I called at the start of the year. So we're not, we're not entirely out with a game in hand, no less. Yeah. Like I think, I think it's more than reasonable to believe that Edmonton could win not only the division, but the West in general. I think people were hesitant to say that at the beginning of the year, specifically the West, because Mm. Colorado had the expectation to just be Colorado and be the juggernauts and be unstoppable. But because of all their injuries, they're not doing so hot. So I think it's more than reasonable to assume that Edmonton could win the entire conference. Yeah, like, and specifically looking at the Pacific Division, like, Vegas has got a big injury problem. Uh, LA's goaltending situation is, like, questionable at best. And every time we play Seattle, we seem to fucking thump them. So, I mean, I guess we don't play them for the rest of the year, so that's kind of a moot point. But, like, it's the Pacific... I, I, I like where we're at right now. Well, to be fair, if the playoffs started today, we would play Seattle. Yeah. Based off of the way these standings are right now. So like I'd feel I think in a series, I would feel confident against Seattle. I'd feel confident against LA. I'd feel okay against Vegas, depending on how healthy they are. And some of those other teams in the central, I'm a little bit more hesitant about Minnesota. I'd feel okay playing Winnipeg. I'm actually scared to play against because Hellebuck is Hellebuck. Yep. And he can just win a series by himself, as we've seen in the past. And then Dallas has a similar position where they have a great player in like Robertson, and then they have Ottinger, who everybody saw last year, can just turn it on, whatever. Yeah. I Honestly, looking at the entire West Division this year, the only teams that really scare me is Dallas, because um, they're, they're having a hell of a year. But for some reason, Colorado still scares me a little bit. Well, it's because a healthy Colorado team is essentially the team that won last year minus a second-line center. Yeah. yeah. So if they can find a way to get healthy and play like they did last year, which I think is possible, I could see them making a big trade at the trade deadline here. I was expecting them to honestly be a front-runner for Horvat to play their second-line center role. I don't know how they can make it fit salary-wise, but if they can fill that gap and get healthy, then I think they would be the easy Stanley Cup favorites in the West. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, last question. Do you think our friends down south have a a playoff this this year? Do I think Calgary can make the playoffs? They're they're at 60% right now, just for your... I would like to say no. Like, it's hard to say, uh, like, they don't have a chance. Because I think that depends more on the collapse of another team at this point. 
unless they can find a way to get their shit together. Like Jonathan Huberto, like we mentioned, needs to get his shit together. Pretty much anybody not named Kadri and their defense needs to get their shit together over there. I know for a fact I had Mangiapane in my fantasy league and I fucking hated having him on the team because he was garbage. <laughs> he did nothing for me. So like yeah. their forwards need to figure it out, but I don't know if they'll figure it out under Sutter. I don't think so either. I don't think he's the the right guy, especially like he made a lot of sense for guys like Matt Kachuk and stuff, but I think they've just gotten more of a soft mentality. I don't know if his coaching style works. Well, outside of one of their bottom lines, whichever line decides to have Lucic on it that night, um, like they just don't really have the players that play the Sutter style. Like Huberto's not going to go out there and be throwing huge hits or like playing well defensively. That's the opposite of his game. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think he can play that way for some reason. Goudreau apparently could play under that system, but for some reason, Huberto can't. Calgary, here's a free idea. How about you take Huberto, you swap him over to Vancouver for JT Miller, (laughs) and uh, there you get two hardos with him and uh, Blake Coleman playing together. If there's one thing I would know is that Vancouver, I think, would take that trade 10 times out of 10. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anything to get rid of JT Miller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess that pretty much takes care of it. I didn't think we'd be able to even talk this long after not talking for two weeks and no Oilers game in sight. But um, here we are, almost 45, 50 minutes into this thing. Hey, if you can't sit here and bullshit for an hour almost, like about <laughs> having like five news topics to talk about, then how can you possibly do a podcast? absolutely absolutely but it'll be nice to get back into the routine we uh we'll chat with you after the next four games this week uh let's hope they're all w's